beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, and in liberation? What wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these pandemic times, the pandemic of COVID-19 and the centuries-long pandemic of white supremacy? I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister, and I'm the faith coordinator for Showing Up for Racial Justice, or SURGE. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York, here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee and Erie peoples. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians, white Christian folks talking to other white Christian folks about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy wherever we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's Song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. We are deep into these journeys to freedom, in which the lectionary selections over this stretch of what's called ordinary time, though these are hardly ordinary times, follow the origin stories of the people of Israel from Abraham and Sarah all the way through the Exodus to the arrival in the Promised Land. It's a huge narrative arc of journey stretching from Genesis to Joshua. It's a journey of wrestling, of oppression, of liberation, of mistakes and harm, all with lessons to teach us about freedom. In these very much not ordinary times, where the possibilities of getting free from violent systems like policing are close enough to taste, we want to ask, what does it mean to be free? What does it even take to be free? Is freedom an individual or a collective thing or maybe both? What do we need to be free from? What do we need to be free for? Last week, as Reverend Claire spoke about on this podcast, we got ready to move. We girded our loins, got our hiking shoes on, propped our walking sticks by the door. We ate as much as we could of roasted protein and unleavened bread garnished with bitter herbs to make sure we got as many nutrients as we could into our bodies, as much energy as we could feed our bodies before we took off. We bloodied our door frames with the sign that we belonged to the liberator God, not to Pharaoh. We got ready to move. We got ready to go when the Spirit said go. And now... And now, the moment we have all been waiting for. Exodus chapter 15. 
Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a hand drum in her hand, and all the women went out after her with hand drums and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Holy One, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. We can picture it, can't we? Charlton Heston, stern and wide-armed as the Red Sea parts before him, a pillar of fire protecting the people while they cross the parted sea to the other side, safe from Pharaoh's army, the walls of water crashing down on the horses and chariots and soldiers, drowned, defeated, Pharaoh and his army, his machinery of death, never to be heard from again in this story. The lectionary offers us both versions of this very famous story, a prose narrative version with all its familiar cinematic details, and an utterly exultant song, what Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney calls a liturgy of liberation, led in call and response form by Miriam with singing, dancing, and drumming. Sing to the Holy One, for he has triumphed gloriously, horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. If ever there was a moment for celebrating, this would surely be it. Mary, don't you weep. Tell Martha not to mourn. Pharaoh's army, all of them men, got drowned in the sea one day. Most scholars think this victory song of the sea, especially Miriam's verses with their succinct command, sing, are some of the oldest texts in the entire Bible. Think of that. One of the oldest songs we know is a freedom song, a song celebrating liberation from oppression, celebrating a divine warrior so powerful, Pharaoh and his army of hard hearts are sunk to the bottom of the sea, defeated not with a countering army, but with breath and water and mud and fire. Our oldest song is a freedom song a freedom song led by Miriam and the other women, dancing us full circle back to the beginning of Exodus when it was the women, the midwives Shifra and Pua, and Moses' mother Yochaved, and sister Miriam, and even Pharaoh's daughter, who conspired to instigate rebellion against Pharaoh and the oppressive ways of Egypt. It has been a heck of a journey. I'm certain there were times when it seemed like Pharaoh would win, that the people would never get free. Even between last week's getting ready to move and this week's victory dance, freedom is tenuous, fragile. The tenth plague, the death of Egypt's firstborn, seems to have finally softened Pharaoh's heart. And he tells the Israelites to be gone and with immense nerve asked to get a blessing. Well, 
So they go, the Israelites and their animals, carrying dough for unleavened bread and gold and silver and clothing, plundered, as the Bible says, looted, we might say, as reparations for all the wealth extracted from their labor, so they have something with which to build up the new world they are moving towards. Freedom is so tenuous, and God knows it because God goes behind and before them, protecting them with cloud and fire, and leads them on this zigzag path rather than the most direct route because Pharaoh is going to change his mind again. Again. Do you ever hear this story and just think, seriously, again? I feel this so much. What version of plague are we in now? Is anything ever going to soften Pharaoh's heart? And the answer is no. On the edge of the Red Sea, the Israelites see the Egyptians coming and naturally freak out and yell at Moses. Why did you bring us here where we're so vulnerable? We have no idea of the lay of the land. We'd rather have stayed than die out here alone. It's understandable. Why in the world would they trust freedom when Pharaoh won't stop chasing them? When after every plague supposedly showing how powerful God is, Pharaoh just oppresses the people harder. It's such a vulnerable, fragile moment. I can only imagine the people, Egyptian army coming at them and nowhere to go but into the water, struggling to believe anything new will happen, struggling to have faith that freedom will come. It kind of feels like now, where every day, every hour, it seems, Pharaoh just keeps coming again and again. How many plagues is it going to take? How many deaths? Is anything ever going to soften Pharaoh's heart? Are we ever going to get free? And that's the moment, that vulnerable, scary, unknown moment, that God opens up the sea. don't you weep. Tell Martha not to mourn. Pharaoh's army, all of them men, got drowned in the sea one day. In his beautiful translation of the Torah, Everett Fox notes the importance of portraying the Israelites' escape as a birthing through a path out of water. Through the opening of the waters, the people are reborn out of enslavement into freedom. Like any much-anticipated birth, singing and dancing and celebration are to be expected. Joy and exultation after the long struggle of labor burst forth on the banks of the sea. Sing to the Holy One, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. There's a lot of emphasis both in Miriam's call and in the people's longer response song on the utter destruction of Pharaoh and his army. It's as if to say, 
After all these plagues, all these chances to change your ways, all these opportunities to soften your heart that you refused, this is what it took. Destruction, and yes, death, is what it took. Horse and rider, God has thrown into the sea. I confess it makes me a little uncomfortable. I've sat with that discomfort working on this episode, and though, yes, there's a certainly, there's certainly a part of me that believes that no one is disposable, that everyone is redeemable, forgivable, and that, in fact, in this new world we're trying to build, we have to be committed to no one being disposable. That's part of the new way. That's part of the rebirthing. But this Freedom Song is celebrating not that. This is not a story whose climax is that Pharaoh finally gets it and everyone all lives happily ever after. It's a story where Pharaoh refuses to get it, where Pharaoh chooses violence over and over again, where Pharaoh chases the people to the edge of the sea using all his resources to hold these people down. You gotta wonder if there were poor and working class Egyptians who thought that instead of wasting resources chasing after Israelites, those resources could have been put towards like food and healthcare instead. Hashtag defund Pharaoh, just a thought. Everett Fox puts it this way. Pharaoh becomes trapped by his own refusal to accept the obvious. Despite the prophetic idea that human beings can be forgiven, we find here another one, that evil leads to more evil and can become petrified and unmovable. I think it must be the whiteness in me that gets squeamish about this. The whiteness that says protest needs to be peaceful, that property is more important than people, that we should be nice, that self-defense is not a legitimate response to oppression. It's whiteness that says we have to remember that cops are human. As if the problem is that the people who are being murdered and beaten and gassed and snatched have forgotten that cops are human. It's whiteness that says, let's stay in Egypt. Let's go back to normal. Wouldn't want Pharaoh to get hurt. There's a lesson here for us white folk, I think. Reverend Dr. Gaffney's point about the creation of the Torah in the midst and the aftermath of Babylon's conquest is a helpful reminder here. Quote, the collection and compilation of these sacred stories is a response to the trauma experienced by survivors of the Judean monarchy in the face of the defeat of the nation, dismantling of the monarchy, burning of Jerusalem, and raising of the temple. These tragedies and their attendant horror provide the impulse for scripting theology. What this means for us in learning from this freedom song is that this song was saved, sung and re-sung, as a way of making sense out of trauma, as a way of celebrating a real release from captivity whether or not Pharaoh at the Red Sea ever actually happened, this freedom song, placed in the mouths of the women, tells us that sometimes appeals to the hearts of the oppressors is not going to work. 
a different tactic is needed. Maybe horse and rider God has thrown into the sea is code for, fuck this shit, let's get out of here. Let's build something new where pharaohs don't even exist. And we'll take as many people as we can, but pharaoh and his minions? If they want to drown, well, can't say we didn't warn them. This freedom song also tells us, Pharaoh is not going to win. Oh Mary, don't you weep. Tell Martha not to mourn. Pharaoh's army, all of them men, got drowned in the sea one day. Mary, don't you weep is a spiritual developed by enslaved people in the United States. In its many versions, this one is Aretha Franklin's, the freedom singers wove together the story of Pharaoh's defeat with the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. In a webinar I was on last month, black biblical scholar Herbert Marbury pointed out that the spiritual teaches us that Mary and Martha's outcry was a disruption like the outcry of the Israelites under Egypt's oppression and that the celebration comes not because Lazarus has been raised, but because Pharaoh has been defeated. The miracle of the raising of Lazarus is about the defeat of the Roman Empire. Empire ways are overthrown. It's a brilliant piece of freedom singing biblical imagination to recognize that Lazarus's illness was not simply a physical ailment, but the illness of oppression. The illness of enslavement. Oh Mary, don't you weep. Tell Martha not to mourn. Pharaoh's army, all of them men, got drowned in the sea one day. Pharaoh is not going to win. Perhaps this song was saved, sung, and resung for those moments in the midst of plagues. For those times when we feel trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea, seems like no way out, freedom vulnerable and fragile and threatened. This freedom song is both a celebration and a reminder of what is coming, the defeat of Pharaoh. So stay ready, watching for that moment the waters part, for that moment the divine makes a way out of seemingly no way and walking into that rebirthing place towards freedom. One more meaning I think we can glean from this freedom song is this. Sometimes to be free, there's things you just have to let go of entirely. Let them sink to the bottom of the sea so you can't carry them with you. We can't get free if the Pharaoh that lives in our heads keeps chasing us. If the horses and riders of Egypt keep following us around. Perhaps this song was saved, sung and resung, to remind us that the rebirth through the freedom waters is also a symbolic shedding of the ways of Egypt, the ways of empire and oppression. Ultimately, it's an abolitionist freedom song reminding us that reforms that just make a kinder, gentler, but no less deadly Egypt are not going to get us free. No, the horse and rider are thrown into the sea. They are not coming with us. Sing to the Holy One, for he has triumphed gloriously. 
horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. This is a freedom song for our times. We're at 10th level plague here in the collapse of the American empire. Pharaoh, and by Pharaoh I mean not just 45, but everyone who keeps doubling down on defending white supremacy. Pharaoh refuses to quit. It's scary. There's no doubt about it. It may feel premature to sing this freedom song about victory over Pharaoh. But the thing is, remember, it was being sung while in captivity in Babylon. Its placement in the Exodus story is the culmination of a fugitivity that includes multiple instructions to build the remembrance of this moment into the liturgy of the people's life together. Remember this moment. Remember how it feels. Remember to be ready. Remember appeals to Pharaoh's heart don't work. Remember to get going. Remember to trust God. Remember to watch for the parting of the waters. Remember to watch for the way out of no way. Remember being rebirthed means shedding the ways of Egypt. Remember Pharaoh is not going to win. Remember to celebrate. So this freedom song comes back is sung again and again, generation after generation. Pharaoh drowns, Babylon falls, Lazarus gets raised, enslaved people get free. So one thing I want you to do is find a recording of that song, Oh Mary, Don't You Weep, and let it sink deep into your bones. I'm partial to Aretha Franklin's version, and I'll put a link to that in the transcript, but find the one that speaks to you. And let all those centuries of freedom singing, all those centuries of freedom singing, fill you, nourish you, keep you oriented towards freedom. The other action is to watch for where the waters are parting. This summer of uprisings for black life has split open the waters in ways that make so much more freedom possible. There's a temptation to want to go back to normal, but we should recognize that impulse as the same one of the, of the Israelites freaking out on the seashore wanting to go back to Egypt. There are ways breaking open to get through this. We can understand the movement to abolish police to be one such splitting of the water, a rebirthing into a new way of being, letting white supremacy's machinery of death sink to the bottom of the sea. So if you're not already, find ways to be involved in the work to abolish police. Take action to support the Movement for Black Lives Breathe Act to defund police. And soon we'll be releasing a toolkit so that congregations can stop relying on police. You can get more information on that on our website. Oh Mary, don't you weep. Tell Martha not to mourn. Pharaoh's army 
all of them men got drowned in the sea one day. Thank you as always for joining me from wherever you are on this good earth. We'd love to hear from you all by commenting on our SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook pages. And we'd love to hear from you about how we're doing, especially from folks of color and non-Christian folks who may be checking us out. Next week, we'll have a resistance word from Margaret Ernst. What comes next after you've celebrated liberation on the shores of the sea? I'm so proud of the work that we do on this podcast and that we do a surge. If you'd like to support our work, if you're committed, like us, to getting as many white folks out of Egypt as possible, please make a donation to Surge. We split every donation that we ask for on this podcast with a movement partner doing amazing work. This month, we're splitting with our beloveds at Jews for Racial and Economic Justice, or JFREDGE. They do incredible work, and I've learned so much from them, and I'm grateful to be in this work together with them. You can donate online at the bit.ly link, bit.ly backslash all capital letters, JFRJ Surge, J-F-R-E-J-S-U-R-J, or find our podcast page at showingupforracialjustice.org, and the link is there. It's also in the transcript. Thanks for helping support this podcast and organizing white people to show up for racial justice and the new world we're, we're building together. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org, and our podcast lives on SoundCloud. Search on The Word is Resistance. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to our podcast. Transcripts are available as well on our website, which include references, resources, and action links. Finally, a huge thanks, as always, to our sound editor, Max Pearl. Blessings to you in all that you do to resist injustice and in all that you do to build up a new world. Love and liberation, beloveds. Love and liberation. Until next time, I'm Reverend Ann Dunham.